Graphy Radio, episode 134, recorded on March 30th, 2009. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Baer. I'm Greg Weiss. And tonight we are doing some beers from Australia. A couple. Of if I could do an Aussie accent, I'd do like Aussie beers, but I can't. So. Yeah, it'd just be bad. So let's not do that. Uh, listener Jeff and Everest the- from Brisbane, Australia, was in town a couple months ago and brought me like ten different Australian a cornucopia. Beers. Like last time he came, he brought us like three Australian craft beers, a couple crappy Australian beers, and like that's all there was. And now there's like ten good Australian craft beers that he was able to have access to. So it looks like the craft beer scene is really going nuts in Australia. And uh, let's start off with a New Zealand beer first. Okay. And uh, it it seems like a light beer. It's in a green bottle. Yay. Well, so let's all hope for the best here. This is, let me get the information. This is Moa Brewing Company. This is their Harvest. It is a fruit vegetable beer. 5.5% 5.5% alcohol by volume. New Zealand native Moa is the only beer to be fermented in the bottle like French Champagne. It's not the only beer, but I guess it's maybe the only one in New Zealand. I don't know. Moa, M-O-A beer dot C-O dot N-Z. Ooh, it smells skunky from here. Mm, well, so this was in a green bottle like we said. I don't know if that's skunk. No? I don't know what that is, though. There's there's some DMS too I think so we should mention that this is the first show that we're recording via CBR Live which means we're recording it to you the podcast listeners just like we always do but we're simulcasting it out via Talkbox so there's a few people in the Talkbox conference who can listen to us and chat amongst themselves we don't have their audio piped into the recording and actually when we tried to do that because we were going to let people in at certain times it just caused a feedback loop and yeah. it was no good at it all it was bad. So, okay. Think pours with a huge head. Very big. I poured it as gently as I well, could. It's four or five, it's four huge. fingers or so. And it's, it's, a, uh, it's a straw-colored beer. Straw. Almost white, like a wit beer. Slightly cloudy. Uh, slightly cloudy, but you know you expect that in a bottle-fermented beer. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if it's I'm, like skunk or if it's just like very floral. I'm getting fruitiness now. It's it's. I don't know what this is. You said this was uh, fruited, right, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, well, they call it a fruit vegetable beer, but I can't really figure out what... They don't really have any... I'm like smelling like watermelon rind or something like that. Like rose water? I mean, you know, a little... There, there's interesting... One person here on Beer Advocate, I don't usually go to the um, to the comments here. But because there's so little information, I have strawberries to. Yeah, uh... They mentioned rose water character, tangy, citrusy, flowery, spring-like character and texture. The the nose that smells like a garden in springtime. I'm tasting strawberries. Hmm. It's nice. It's, yeah, it, I, it finishes dry. It's not sweet. It's not over fruity. There's a little touch of strawberries in cherry. there. Cherry, more cherry. I think now that I think about it. I disagree with you, sir. I'm, I'm right. getting. I'm getting. All uh, right. Think of. Um, Oh, I can't think. I've had a strawberry-flavored beer that's similar to this. It's not the... Um, strawberry wheat? It, it's not the um, Lancaster one. But it's just a touch. It's an essence. It 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 tastes like a white strawberry, like a not-quite-ripe one. Ripened one. 
Sick Puppy suggests I don't read the comments. I agree. You know, I tr- I try not to read the comments because they do skew my opinion if I'm drinking. Yeah, I, I don't even look at the scores on Beer Advocate normally. I can see why Greg was looking there to try to get a hint of what was in it physically, not, yeah. not the characteristics. But yeah, it can still screw you up. I don't even know what rose water is. What's rose water? It's water made from rose petals. Oh, distilled. You know, you just sort of. I mean, not distilled like alcohol, but you sort of get the essence of rose in water. Oh, okay. Make candy and stuff with it. Oh, never heard of it. Turkish delights, for instance, use rose water. That sounds like it's a, candy. It's candy. Sounds like a uh, one of those um, sex terms, bizarre sex terms. Turkish delight, <laughs> or something like really bad, like they did in Abu Ghraib. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is really good, really nice, drinkable. Yeah. I'm surprised by how well it kept in the green bottle. Um, it's what is I, the I think, alcohol? I think five. Was it five? Yeah, I think the recap when I first popped it and i thought i smelled some skunk maybe i did and it might have volatilized a little bit but it was probably more of a dms from like a pilsner mode or something like that it was probably confusing me and i was tainted by this big green bottle right. like how can a beer survive in this without getting skunked but you know it's not particularly bitter yeah. uh you know we know that that doesn't really doesn't matter as long as it has any hops in it they can go skunk and really affect a beer uh, no matter what so but and I'm pretty sure this has hops in it. But it's not a particularly bitter beer. It's very drinkable, goes down easy, hides the al- alcohol well. 5.5, I wouldn't have said that. I would have thought it would be something milder, something around the 4. I would have thought it would be sessionable. 5.5 is really kind of hitting the limit. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit of um, saltwater taffy-type flavor, sweetness. Uh, okay. Uh, Greg says it's a, ch- a blonde ale which had cherry syrup added and it was aged for a while. Damn it, you're right. <laughs> And he says, no real cherries were harmed in the making of the beer. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> okay, so this is Murray's Sassy Belgian Blonde. It is a Belgian-style pale ale, 4.5% alcohol by volume. Styrian Golding Hops. Well, this beer is not skunk. This is the Murray's. It's uh, really honey. You know, he's looking at, Jeff's looking at me like... What are you talking about? It's not skunk. <laughs> they convince me that it's not skunk, please. I don't taste skunk. I taste a lot of honey. I taste uh, a little bit of Belgian spice, a little bit of that Belgian yeast character. Okay. I I, I disagree. I, I'm tasting skunk. It's it's skunky. It's a little catty in the flavor. On that second fl- taste, I got it. There's, there's some malt there. There's a little bit of graham cracker, but overall, this beer is skunked. Yeah, that's too bad. The first taste I had was pretty good, and then the second one just went all skunked. Oh well. Into the dump bucket it goes. Next, Baron's ESB. All right, so Baron's ESB, four point seven percent alcohol by volume. Pours a nice toffee color. Oh, it's super clear. Baron's uh, is in Wulara. Wulara. I can't even pronounce it. W O O L L A H R A. Wulara, Australia. They make an extra special bitter, a lager, a lemon myrtle wit beer. 
Did I just say vit beer? I think I yeah, did. Yeah, you did. Jesus. You suck. That's an episode of three faux pot. I know. Uh, take a, stop talking and smell this beer. Oh, hey. Nice. It's like mountain of crystal malt. Yeah. But yeah. there's something else there. There's a... A little bit of molasses. Molasses. Something like a, that. A little bit of tobacco in the aroma. I mean, this is a potent... Uh, it's like a molasses, rice, crispy treat. Yeah, there's some, yeah um, maybe cocoa powder, chocolate milk or something. You know, there, there's something chocolatey, very, yeah. very big... Um, Caramelized flavors coming off of this. Wow! Yeah, this is one of those ones you want to smell and smell and smell. I'm a big fan of ESBs, so this is so far just the aroma making me happy. It definitely comes through on the flavor too. Big malt right in the center of your tongue. A little aqueous on the sides. That's okay. A little bit bitter mm-hmm. uh, on the sides too. Actually, more bitter than I expected. Yeah, the malt's still dominant for me. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of sweet malt. It's 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 mountains of crystal in this yeah. one. And sometimes that gets a little little too much. Very chewy. Mm. Good uh, good call there. Good good adjective to describe it because it just it really feels it's a little uh, warty would be a, a good adjective for this yeah. too. Cuz it has that it has the mouthfeel of a very sweet word, but it's not cloying like a word. It's it's relatively dry. It's still a multi beer, but it's not cloying at all. But it has a definitely worky flavor to it. This is really, this is going up there on my list of favorite ESPs, I think, because this is pretty damn good. The more I drink it, the more watery it tastes. I mean, it's, it's still not bad, but that full cheek filling body is less and less. Yeah, sip. yeah. But it's got a lot of malt in the center, and I'm a big fan of, of big malt bombs like this. And like you said, the, the bitterness, which I think is is a little bit high for the style, but works here because it's got such such a malt. You think it's high? I think it's a little high. Just, just a tad. Just just a touch. I don't. I mean, it is an extra special bitter, which doesn't mean IPA bitter, but it does mean some bitterness. And, and I don't... It's, it's still definitely malt forward. Right. I think less bitterness, and it's going to be too sweet. I think that's true. So I, I think it fits well. Make your own decision when you purchase your... Um, Baron's ESB. Baron's ESB. Brewed by the brave boys of Barron's Brewing. Flying high or laying low? They also make a pale ale, Waddle Superior Waddle Seed Ale. That should be interesting. And uh, an export premium lager, so a sort of Dortmunder style or Euro pale lager. All right. You ready for the next beer? No, I got a little bit more there. Mm. I'm not ready at all. Okay. Why don't you talk about Philly Beer Week? I should talk about Philly Beer Week. I uh, This is our first show since I got back from Philly Beer Week, and it was insane. You recorded a lot of crap for Philly Beer Week. I have uh, 15 shows up on the feed right now, and there's two more, wow. plus, a, plus a video. Two more shows plus a video. For those of you who haven't been following Philly Beer Week, there was over 700 events on the schedule for a Friday to, to the following Sunday. You know, so that's... Nine days, ten days, whatever. 700 events. And granted, many of those were overlapping, and some of those were just little meet the brewers or, you know, not huge events. They weren't all like the Founders Brewing Beer Dinner or anything like that. 
But it was insane. Everybody was in town. You know, Garrett Oliver did stuff. Um, Jim Cook was there. Fritz Maytag was there. Adam Avery, Sean well, O'Sullivan mean, from Twenty Four Seven. Definitely sounds big. I mean, everybody was there pretty much. It was crazy. Some of the the notable events. I'll try to cover this quickly, but I want to cover. You know, let's go snap snap. A lot of the cool stuff that we were doing. Got into Philly Friday afternoon. First event is Opening Tap. This is the kickoff for Philly Beer Week. They had it in the Comcast Center. Brand new skyscraper in uh, downtown Philly. And the mayor of the city taps the opening firkin of Philly Beer Week. And they have the big firkin hammer. It's this huge sledgehammer for Philly Beer Week. They use it to put the tap into the firkin. All the Philly breweries were there. And it was a... You can't handle the CBR Live, can you? I'm going to take that laptop away from you. No. I'm just, I'm I'm amusing myself. Go on. All right. So, you don't care about opening taps, so let's get on to the the next. Give me something interesting, yeah. One of the coolest things that I went to was at Dock Street Brewing Company. Randy Mosher was there, and he did this in-depth beer styles and evaluation class. This is basically something that he does at the Siebel Institute in Chicago. It was an eight-hour class. I could only stay for the first half of the day, but uh, it was it was outstanding. And on the podcast feed, you'll hear the uh, the first two chapters of, of his talk. He actually asked me not to tape the whole thing, and yeah, that's fine. I would have loved to stay for the afternoon because in the morning we tasted the Budweiser that was dosed with off flavors. <laughs> yeah, where in the afternoon they tasted all the good beer styles that the world has to offer, and I missed that part. So I kind of stayed for the wrong half of, of Randy Busher's talk, but it was fantastic. Um, the beer dinners that I went to, some of them were out of this world. So we'll, let's see, we'll do a... Right. So uh, let me get you... Look over there underneath that blue notebook. There is a um, the menu for the Founders Beer Dinner. This was the coup d'etat of All right. beer dinners. Founders Beer Menu. I am going to read off the beer menu. Indian Island Oyster Roasted Beets Black Pepper. That is uh, served with a Rubeus. Rubeus, which which was their raspberry beer that they they didn't make since last year. The South Philly Tap Room, who hosted the dinner, saved a cake from last year specifically for this dinner. Wow, okay, interesting. How was the oyster? Oyster was good. Very nice. Actually, I had better oysters. I'll tell you about that in a second, though. Okay. Housemade Duck Prosciutto, Cucumber, Mint Chili Oil. Served with their cerise. Oh, man. It took them three weeks to make the duck prosciutto. I it's can imagine. Yeah. Thing. And, oh, my duck God. Duck prosciutto. Wow. And the cerise is their new fruit beer. It's a cherry beer because they're a Michigan company. They wanted to use lo- they wanted to source local fruit, so they're using uh, Michigan cherries in that beer. Okay. Ceviche tasting. Oh, ceviche. I like ceviches. A Mexican-based scallop with truffle guacamole, smoked Angus beef salsa borracho radish salad cogita and tuna cherry tomatoes serrano chilies red onion lime with a black IPA yeah so there were all these little tasters of these different things and fantastic the black IPA was kind of like the stone um, what was it the 11th anniversary I think was that the one that was the black IPA I think so I have no idea and um, I was talking with the owner of the company and they were formulating this beer and it was kind of like the moonshot, right? Where uh, Stone beat them to it. They they were able to land the man and get him in in space before you know founders could. They were all upset that they didn't weren't first to market with a black IPA. Double smoked country ham and cheese on rye beer mustard dill pickles with reds rye. This was an interesting course because before the main course, 
we get this like half a grilled ham and cheese. And it was good grilled ham and cheese, but it was still grilled ham and cheese. It went with the Red's Rye, which is a red me hungry for grilled cheese, rye ale from uh, Founders. And it was a good course, but it was just weird. And these were big courses. This nine-course dinner was a lot of food. I could barely get down to dessert. I mean, it was rough. Goat empanadas, baby spinach, goat cheese ranch. Wow. Oh, <laughs> That yeah. sounds rich. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> with Dirty Bastard. Dirty Bastard is their Scottish ale. And, uh, you know, the, the goats are very wild. It's, it's a gamey meat, so it went good with the, the, the maltiness of the Dirty Bastard. Dry-aged New York strip, potato gratin, mushroom porter jus with, with their porter. Yeah. Wow. What else is there to say? Nothing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cured foie gras with roasted scallions and curmudgeon. Is this the first time you had foie gras? Yeah, first time I've had foie gras. Like, like all natural. There was a little... Yeah. Slice of liver on my plate. It was so buttery and Isn't so. Isn't it rich. amazing? It was. It was amazing. It's such and the curmudgeons. They're barley wine. I see. Be after my own heart. Uh, Rothkase Private Reserve apples and honey with hand of doom. So um, Rothkase. Yeah, that's that's a cheese. I. It was a, a cheddar, a white cheddar, I think, if I remember right, something along those lines. I'm, hand of doom is their oak aged double IPA. Finally finishing off, this is a long dinner. Yes, it was insane. Finally finishing off with Meredith Pecan Pie, which I love a good pecan pie with Kentucky Breakfast. Wow, Kentucky Breakfast, okay. Yeah. Uh, the Founders Beer Dinner was That, does, that just sounds amazing. That, that sounds incredible. Um, it didn't come cheap. Uh, it was $95 a seat. I can, with but, that ingredient list? I yeah. can imagine. But it was, it was amazing. Here's the beer list. They had 13 Founders beers on tap. This is the largest Founders tap list outside of the draft room ever. And they had it at Philly Beer Week. Breakfast Stout, Kentucky Breakfast Stout, Imperial Stout, Centennial IPA, Red's Rye, Backwoods Bastard, Double Trouble IPA, Hand of Doom, Dirty Bastard, Curmudgeon, Cerise Porter, and Black IPA. I would have loved to stay for a uh, glass of Imperial Stout because I love that beer. That beer is fantastic. If I had to pick one of the Breakfast Stouts or Imperial Stout, I think I would go with Imperial Stout. But Interesting. I had so much food, so much beer at the beer dinner, I couldn't stay for a pint of Imperial Stout. Well, I think that's, that, that's a, a good look into uh, Philly Beer. We're just an idea of what was tough there. We had a lot of, a lot of podcasts. Let me gloss over a couple things really fast. There was the Fritz, May- Fritz Maytag beer dinner at the Four Seasons. Food was fantastic. Three things that were underattended, but I thought they were some of the best-kept secrets at Philly Beer Week. There was beer and cheese tasting at Triumph Brewing Company. They had eight cheeses. I've never been to a cheese tasting with such outstanding cheese. It was crazy. Give me a list of those cheeses, and I'll see if I can get them. Get a macaroni cup. I'll have to see if I can dig it up. I don't have a list handy. And then there was two events at Drexel University that they put on, and they were open to the public. They were 3 o'clock in the afternoon where they had a brewer. The first time was Triumph, and the second time was Allagash. And then one of the culinary classes made food to go with the beers. So you have culinary students making, like, with a virtually unlimited budget, you know, university budget, making these foods. And it was outstanding. And I would say those are some of the things not to miss. And the brewer's plate on... um, Saturday, or no, was it Saturday or Sunday evening? Sunday evening, the Brewer's Plate. Um, go listen to the podcast. It was like Savor, but better than Savor. I, I, it was more. It was run by restaurants who picked the beers. So the restaurants had more control over right. the foods. Where Savor has a logistical problem because the, the, the breweries are all over the country. So they use a catering company 
The Brewers play is fantastic, and it's a fundraiser. Very cool stuff. If you guys are on the East Coast and looking for something to do early March next year, Philly Burick is a hell of an event. I contemplating saying that if I could do either the Great American Beer Fest or Philly Beer Week, it'd be a toss-up. If you've never done the Great American Beer Fest, maybe do the Great American Beer Fest. But if you've done it before, I would say skip it and do Philly Beer Week. Interesting. Interesting. It, it was an amazing event. Um, it sounds like a costly event, too. It helps when you've got a press pass. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But there, there are smaller events. You can go to a bar and do a brewer meet and greet, and you know you, you pay by the pint. There's some free tastings. You, know, you don't have to do the $100 dinners all the time. Did they tap the firkin? They tapped a lot of firkins. Oh, and Monk's Cafe is unbelievable. Monk's Cafe has a full-time <laughs> beer engine with Cantillon on it. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, so sorry for that long wow. side rabbit hole. I mean, into, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like something to go to. It sounds like swing fun. We should have done a show that was just a uh, Philly Beer Week recap. Maybe. What's next on our Australian beers list? So uh, Three Ravens, 55, American Pale Ale. So an American Pale Ale from Australia? What? How'd they do that? 5.5% alcohol by volume. Five species malt blend, they say. Five hop flavors. The appearance is, well, it's definitely bottle condition. You can see it's got some gook in it. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty cloudy. Sort of tannish. Might have been more golden if it uh, didn't have the, the yeast in it. Um, about a finger's worth of head. Cloudy head. Nice hoppy aroma coming off it. Nice bright hops. Yeah, get some uh, some some citrusy, a little bit of spicy in the hops. It getting a little bit of malt and a big head. So there's a lot of of zingy from the from the CO two coming up your nose. Pretty good. It's uh, it's it's malt forward. Um, the hops are are playing are a background player here. They're kind of surrounding the, the malt in front. There's nothing about this beer that jumps at me. You know, there's nothing that says, hmm, this is unique, this is special. Just kind of, it's a little muddy, I think is the best way I can describe it. So the, the flavors are kind of muddy. To, to build on your muddy and maybe a slightly more positive light, the mouthfeel was like a, a wheat beer or something like that. Mm. It just had a very full, it doesn't have really have the bready wheat taste, you know, that little lemony zing. But it has the full mouthfeel that like a wheat beer typically has. I think heavy carbonation yeah, contributes to that. that. And the, the color doesn't help that it looks like a, a dunkle vice. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, we should talk about the Good Beer Show that we did. Yeah. Stay tuned for the uh, Good Beer Show came to Pittsburgh um, last weekend. Was it last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they've posted the show yet. I checked the other day and it wasn't out yet. Um, I think it's going to be called Mission to Mars. Because um, Sick Puppy and I live next to Mars, Pennsylvania. We did a show at the Sharp Edge Creek House. We did all Pittsburgh area breweries. We did the church in East End Brewing. And then uh, it was my mission. I actually chose to be designated driver so I could take Jeffrey, take Jeffrey T. and the crew. Toke, you could talk up. So, yeah. Well, uh, that, I'm not saying that wasn't happening. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Those are some interesting guys. Yeah, they were certainly interesting guys. But I took it upon myself to... Uh, to give those guys the best tour of Pittsburgh I could. but uh, Beer-wise. Yeah. 
eight hours just isn't enough, though. I mean, it sounds like you had a good time. I, I had stuff to do that day, and I really just – I don't deal well with getting drunk, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a good idea for me to go on this thing anyway. But uh, I'm glad you guys had fun. Yep, it was a lot of fun. So back to the Three Ravens. Do you, you still think it tastes muddy? Getting around it at all? or It's, it's kind of – like I said, nothing's jumping at me. Nothing's saying to me – nothing's pulling me in. I mean, okay. it's, it, it's kind of – I think it's a perfectly fine beer, mm-hmm. uh, but perfectly average, you know, is not is, is not going to to win any awards. It, it's very clean. There's nothing offensive to it. It's a good drinker. It's um, there's a good amount of hops there. I like it. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm struck by like the the, the, the fruit beer and the ESB were really interesting. Right. And um, e- even. Well, the, the blonde was destroyed, but uh, I'm having a difficult time saying, you know, finding things to say about this beer. But it's because it's just solid. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's fair to say. I mean, it, it's not. I guess it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of if you can imagine Dale's Pale Ale without you know a lot of biscuit, without the whole biscuity stuff in it, and a little bit more, like I said, muddy flavors. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a little bit reminiscent of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Dale's probably has a little, a little fair little, amount of more hop. Yeah, more hoppy is Dale's Pale too, but it's more West Coast, so you kind of expect that. Well, it's Colorado, but still, right? None of these have dates on them. You know, that's another thing. Is Jeff said some of these might not be the freshest of beers, right? And I could see this one might have might have some. It doesn't taste oxidized. I mean, it's it, a transcontinental it, beer. I mean, it takes transworld. It could have. Uh, <laughs> It could have faded a little bit, you know. Maybe it was better in its prime. But, you know, there's nothing obviously wrong with it. I like it. What was the alcohol on that one? Like five and a half, I think? 5.5, I believe it was. Yep, five and a half. All right, so let's move on to the uh, last beer. Migration Dark Ale, special edition from Northern Rivers, premium beer. Handcrafted. Well, this is interesting. It's a 6.2 ABV. And it says approximately 1.6 standard drinks. <laughs> what? You know, a standard drink would be What's a certain a amount of alcohol. Like a shot or, you know, like a 12-ounce, 5 that sounds beer. That sounds very Orwellian that there's a standard drink. Well, it's like, you know, they say you can drink so many beers an hour to drive, right? That's based on a standard drink, either one shot or 12 ounces of a, you know, a 5% beer or something like that. That's what they're He'd using say a standard so. drink. Standard drink sounds like you know a Russian, a Russian beer or you know Dharma beer. <laughs> Just, okay, so migration dark ale, six point two percent. Don't really have any interesting information about it other than that. Northern Rivers Brewing Company, which is in what category is Alston it listed under on BA? Uh, beer Advocate lists it as an English strong ale. Okay. But they listed as six percent. Oh, here it says it says uh, migration dark ale is a real winter warmer. The strong alcohol content makes the strong alcohol content helps create an initial flavor of rum and raisin. And I don't want to read any more because I want to make up my own mind. Well, I can see where they're getting that because I smell like bread pudding in, in the aroma. Yeah, I'm getting a raisiny type aroma. 
And as you can see, uh, or people who are watching it, it's it's not quite like black. It's it's dark like cola, I guess you could say. It's uh, so there, there's some brown highlights to it, and it's just barely translucent. Oh, I like the flavor on this, and it's very raisiny. Um, Anchor Porter, you know how that's really raisiny. Mm. It's not. This isn't as roasty porter as an anchor, but it has that raisin type flavor. It's almost uh, prunish, actually. Okay. It's almost over into into that category. It's a little bit sweeter, not quite as uh, I don't know. Um, I guess acidic, or it's just not quite over sure. to the raisiny category like a porter. It, it seems more plumish, more prune okay. prune type flavors, and a little bit of chocolate there too. A little bit of of um, Especially in the back, a little bit of dark bitter chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is nice. This is really nice. Northern Rivers Migration Dark Ale. Uh, you know, these beers have, you know, aside from the one that's been skunked, none of them have been bad. Right. And uh, we should mention a little bit on the main show, our pre-show beer. We did a beer right. called Bling India Pale Ale, and this is from the Bridge Road Brewers. We did it on the pre-show because there is some skeezy neck funk going on above the beer line. And we thought it might have been spoiled, but it, it was good. So it was just some yeast or something. It was a pretty malty IPA, but it was good. So I think we're at that point. The critical point of the show? That's right. And by the way, for all you TalkBug listeners who are just joining us, stay tuned. We're going to be doing our April Fool's show after this. So you get an exclusive sneak peek yeah. to the April Fool's show. All right, so I got my ranking here. <laughs> And I'm going to start with the, the one we just drank, the Migration Dark Ale. Uh, that raisin, that, that mm-hmm. you know. From, you should mention the company. Cause. Oh, uh, Northern Rivers Premium Beer. The, um, you know, picture's worth a thousand words, so I'm going to say that character that is an anchor porter that this beer has, that raisiny flavor. I love it, and I, this one's really well done. And it's... I'm debating whether I say it's more drinkable than Anchor Porter because it's not as full, right? It's a little thinner, and it, it might might be more drinkable, but the alcohol's higher, so that could kill you too. It's tough to say. Uh, number two, I'm going to put the uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The Baron's ESB. That thing was that crystal bomb, right? All that sweetness in there. It was really well done, like that. Uh, number three. It's getting tougher now. It's getting tougher. I'm going to go with the, the Moa, the Harvestdale, that one that I thought tasted of strawberries. I mean, for a fruit beer, I thought it was really well done. And even though I had that, I had that initial, initial misgiving that it had been skunked or there was DMS, it cleaned up nicely, and it was a good drinker most of the way. Pre-show beers next, the Bling. It was a nice English-style IPA, very malty. Excuse me. Very malty and... Uh, it's quite the just it invited me to drink more and more and more. Uh, Three Ravens fifty five. That's the American Pale Ale that we had. It was a solid beer, but it, it was nothing noteworthy about it other than it being a solid beer. So I got to stick it there. And then the spoiled one, the sassy blonde, the skunk beer, which you can't really count. Cause yeah, is is in the back. You really couldn't tell what it's supposed to taste like. All right, I'm going to mostly agree with you. Uh, my number one beer is uh, like you, the Northern Rivers Migration Dark Ale. Just I, I like that that plummy, uh, pruny flavor is coming in there. It's it's delicious. It really is. It's a very very good beer. Very um, you know enjoyable drinker. You know, a, a beer that really 
you know lights up your taste buds and, and it gives you a little something different right. and I like that. Uh, so migration dark ale. It's got a big whale on the front. It's pretty cool. Uh, my next one is going to be slightly different. I'm going with the with the fruit beer with the moa oh, yeah. with the I'm with the kiwi beer. Uh, I just think it was it was really good. I liked how drinkable it was. It hit its alcohol well. It was interesting, different, nice fruitiness to it. I'm. I mean, you know, it's, I like going outside the right heights kaboot. You know, I like mm-hmm. beers that that try something. You know, try something different. Try to sure. try to go in different places. This one tries to go a different place and it works. It works well. I wish they didn't serve it in green green bottles because I imagine it can get skunk pretty easily. But fortunately, this one wasn't. Very fortunately. Yeah. And uh, so there you go. Harvest Moa Kiwi Beer. That's my number two. I just love ESBs. So Baron's ESB comes next. It's a really good example of an ESB. Like it's, like if they said, we think it's a little aqueous, a little bit watery at times. Doesn't quite hold up as well as say you know the the standard Bearer Founders and Founders um. Fuller's. Fuller's, yeah. But very good. Baron's ESB, highly recommended. And I'll agree with you, the, the last two, Bling and IPA, aside from the skunk on the bottle. Skis. Skis, skunk, whatever it is. I guess it's not skunk, it's not skunky. Yeah, skis or funk. I didn't realize there was a special term for that, but okay, if you call it skis. I, I like that term. This is from Beechworth, or Bridge, Word, Bridge Road Brewers, Beechworth Bling India Pale Ale. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, anyway, it's really decent, good good example of the style. A little malty, but I like a malty IPA. And my last beer, because I'm not counting the Murray's because it was skunked and ruined, is the Three Ravens D5, which was perfectly fine beer. It just that's all it was. It wasn't anything special, and we had a lot of really good special beers, I think, tonight. All right. Well, that's all for this episode of Craft Beer Radio. Tune in next time where we drink the rest of the Australian beers. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening, and thanks for the people who tuned in to the uh, CBR Live on TalkBox. Yeah, maybe if, if it's successful, if people like it, we'll do it again. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. But they never say what you can't hear. 